Runsmith Enterprises presents Topics in Endurance Sports. I'm your host, Tim. This is a special 2020 Dog Days of Podcasting edition, where some podcasters attempt to do a short episode every day for 30 days. More info at dogdaysofpodcasting.com. All one big word there, Dog Days of Podcasting. You can also subscribe to the Dog Days of Podcasting feed wherever you get your podcasts. So today is day number 10 of this. It is Thursday, August 13th, 2020. And this is all about viruses, part three. Yesterday, I made a boo-boo. I don't know if any of you caught it or not. Any of you four people listening, if you caught this or not. I was going over the six steps in a virus's, quote, life cycle, and I left off step six, which is crazy. So that's okay. It gives me a chance to review it so you will be extra ready for for the exam. So these are the six steps uh, of a virus's life cycle. Again, uh, are they alive or not? You decide. Number one, attachment of... Uh, Attachment is a binding between the viral capsid proteins and receptors on the host cell. needs to attach to the cell. Number two, penetration of the virus into the cell. Number three, uncoating, which is a process in which the viral capsid is removed, freeing the genome, freeing the virus's DNA or RNA, freed up inside the cell. Replication of viruses involves primarily multiplication of the DNA or the RNA, the virus's DNA or RNA. Number five, assembly. The new virus or virion needs to be reassembled inside the cell. And I left off number six, which hopefully is obvious, release. Viruses can be released from the host cell by lysis. Lysis is a process that kills the cell by bursting its membrane and cell wall if present. This is a feature of many bacterial and some animal viruses. I'm not sure why it says if present. Don't all cells have a membrane or a cell wall? Anyway, that's lysis step six. Basically, the virions blow the cell to bits and get released to adjacent cells to infect. So there you go. That was from yesterday. Let's get on to the actual part three. Have you ever heard of retroviruses? Maybe that rings a bell somewhere along the line. A retrovirus is a type of virus that inserts a copy of its genome into the DNA of a host cell that it invades, thus changing the genome or the DNA of that host cell. So, so far, viruses don't do that, right? They just go into the cell and replicate themselves. In this case, the virus will put its genes into the genes of the host cell. That is a retrovirus. So, how does this happen? Uh, Once inside the host cell's cytoplasm, an RNA retrovirus produces DNA from its RNA. This is the reverse of the usual pattern in typical cells. Normally, a normal healthy cell goes from DNA, the DNA makes RNA, the RNA makes proteins. This is going in reverse, okay? Thus, retro, backwards, RNA from the virus is uh, uh, 
used to produce DNA, the backwards direction. Retroviruses cause the cell to use the virus's RNA to make DNA, and then it inserts that DNA into the rest of the DNA of that cell. Quite clever. HIV is an an RNA retrovirus, closely related to SIV, simian immunodeficiency virus. Human T-cell lymphotrophic virus type 1, otherwise known as HTLV1, is a retrovirus that causes a form of cancer called adult T-cell leukemia. You may have heard of that. Uh, HTLV1, this retrovirus, was the first human retrovirus to be discovered, having been detected and isolated in 1979 by American virologist 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 Robert C Gallo and colleagues I have colleagues I have definitely heard of Robert Gallo I think he's very famous he must have worked with HIV treatments or something cuz I know I've heard his name HIV was the was HIV was first isolated in 1983 I vaguely remember that folks cat retroviruses include feline leukemia virus and feline immunodeficiency virus, FIV, the cat version of HIV. So a lot of you have kitties and have dealt with one of those two viruses. So there are some examples. Like with phage therapy, though, retroviruses can be used as treatments for disease. In this case, gene therapy. I bet everyone's heard of gene therapy. Uh, A retrovirus is used in gene therapy to, in effect, insert DNA into into a cell that lacks a gene it should have, or maybe it has the gene, but it's a a non-functional form of the gene, a mutated form of a gene. We can use retroviruses to put in a good gene, that is gene therapy. So there you go. If you ever wonder what gene therapy is, that's all it is. Pretty simple now, now that you know... uh, kind of the background behind viruses. Not a, not a very complex uh, idea, really. As we do with phage therapy, let's uh, tell another story to illustrate uh, gene therapy. Connor Curran was four years old when he was diagnosed with Duchenne muscular dystrophy, a genetic disease that causes muscles to waste away. Children with Duchenne lack a functional version of the dystrophin gene, dystrophin gene which helps muscles stay healthy. Connor's mother, Jessica Curran, remembers some advice she got from a doctor who made that 2015 diagnosis. You know, that's funny because it was 2015 was the year I, uh, of that phage therapy example. Big year. Anyway, the doctor told her, take your son home, love him, take him on trips while he's walking, give him a good life, enjoy him, and enjoy him because there are really not many options right now. Not very good. Five years later, 2020, Connor is not just walking, but running faster than ever, thanks to an experimental gene therapy that took more than 30 years to develop. Wow, talk about hitting the right time. I mean, Connor, uh, exact right moment for for this to be used. Connor was the first child to receive the treatment, a single, a single infusion designed to fix the genetic mutation that was gradually causing his muscle cells to die. The treatment can't bring back the cells he's already lost, so he remains smaller and weaker than his twin brother, Kyle. But it has allowed the muscle cells he still has to function better. 
Since his treatment, eight other boys with Duchenne muscular dystrophy have received two different doses of the gene therapy. Preliminary results on six of them tested a year after treatment showed they too had improved strength and endurance at an age when boys with Duchenne usually become weaker. The retrovirus used in this therapy is an adeno-associated virus, which I will call AAV, which is best known for causing intestinal problems in puppies and no more than skin rashes in children. AAV is remarkable because it infects people without making them sick or causing much of an immune response. Jude Samulski of UNC Chapel Hill, who began work way back in 1984, saw AAV as a potential way to safely transport healthy genes into ailing muscle cells. It's a molecular FedEx truck. I'm sorry, it's a he. Jude is a he. It's a molecular FedEx truck, he says. It carries a genetic payload and it's delivering it to its target. Remember, retroviruses insert genes into host cell genomes. More on AAV. It is actually a DNA retrovirus. So it doesn't really have to go from RNA to DNA, but they still call it a retrovirus because it's going to insert its DNA into the DNA of the host cell. So it's a DNA retrovirus, but it works in a similar way. The reason uh, that AAV itself is not harmful is because although it can infect a cell, it doesn't have the genes to replicate itself and blow the cell apart. But it can insert its DNA into the DNA of a host cell. So as an aside, after I read that, I thought that doesn't make sense. How does AAV exist if it cannot replicate itself? Right? That makes no sense. So I was trying to dig into this, and I found this quote that AAVR, quote, small, 20 nanometer, very small, replication defective, non-enveloped viruses. Again, replication defective. So how can it possibly exist if it can't make duplicates of itself? So there's something I didn't understand. D dug in a little more and I found that the AAV, this is interesting, AAV must infect a cell with a helper virus. So it kind of co it normally in nature coexists with another virus. With the helper virus, it can replicate. So evidently, it's using the genes of the helper virus to make itself replicate. Uh, when AAV infects a cell alone, its gene expression is repressed. In other words, it cannot replicate, and its genome is incorporated into the host genome, specifically into human chromosome 19. So I'm assuming when they do gene therapy, they do not inject the helper virus. They only inject the AAV, which then inserts the gene without causing a, a replication of AAV, which would give the, the immune response that would cause all the problems that viruses cause. All right, so that's how it works, which is really kind of cool. So researchers simply put the right version of the dystrophin gene into AAV and delivered it into Connor's cells and voila, fixed, right? Unfortunately, not that simple. I told you 30 years of work on this. One obstacle is that AAV is tiny. I said it was 20 nanometers. That is one of the smallest viruses. Actually, it's 22 nanometers across. Dystrophin, on the other hand, is the largest known human gene. It contains about 500 times 
the amount of genetic information found in AAV. And I'm thinking, what are the odds of this? Like about the smallest virus, and they want to try to put about the biggest gene into it, which is pretty amazing. I don't know how they overcame this. Another challenge was that Duchenne affects billions of muscle cells all over the body. So the AAV uh, FedEx delivery truck needs to be programmed to reach, recognize, and infect all of these muscle cells all over the place. Doesn't do much good if you can't get the heart muscle, obviously, or you know, to leg muscles, you're not going to be able to walk and so forth. As I've been saying, it took 30 years of basic and directed research to overcome these technical obstacles. Partly because in 1999, a patient died in a gene therapy experiment. That experiment had nothing to do with AAV. Nevertheless, gene therapy trials were postponed or abandoned. Research dollars were diminished. Investors disappeared. So private investors want money. They want a return on their investment. And as soon as this patient died and things were looking bad, they bailed. Thankfully, the MDA, the Muscular Dystrophy Association, did not give up and continued to fund the research. So if I can get on my soapbox, number one, this is why these charities are worthwhile, okay, because they really focus on things, so give to charities. And number two, this is why we need government funding, okay? This is really why you need government funding of basic research and applied research. You just cannot give up on these things. You have to keep going. So capitalism is wonderful. I am pro-capitalism, but it fails in a situation like this. This completely fails or mostly fails. No capitalists seem to have the foresight to keep going. It took a private uh, a charity to really keep it going. Anyway, back to Connor. I'll get off my soapbox. Back to Connor. Connor called the treatment his muscle juice. The treatment worked quickly. Within three weeks, he was running up the stairs, Jessica says. I can run faster. I stand better, Connor says. And I can walk to Goldberg's. That's a bagel shop. And it's more than two miles, and I couldn't do that before. Connor's body will never replace the muscle cells he lost before his treatment. And I personally uh, wonder if that's true. I'm sure there are people trying to figure out how to get his muscle cells he, he has to divide. And actually, I would think steroids, some of the steroids that are banned, these types of steroids, I think, have some of this uh, potential. Or maybe uh, 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 the human growth hormone or something. I don't know. I have to wonder if that's totally true. But nevertheless, he may still have uh, less muscle cells than the average person for the rest of his life. And, all, and though the approach has worked for more than two years, it's not clear how long his new genes will last. I don't understand that. Once the genes in the cell, why would it stop working? I don't know, but that's what they're saying. But it's a start and another example of how viruses are not all bad and in fact can be harnessed for good. There have, been, there have now been over 250 AAV gene therapy clinical trials worldwide, focusing on diseases such as cystic fibrosis, arthritis, Parkinson's disease, and Alzheimer's. Uh, if I do an episode on COVID vaccines, you may hear about AAV ther therapy again. The University of Oxford in England is already in phase three trials. That's way close to being done with their AAV, A, A, AAV COVID vaccine. This means you, dear listener, unless you're an anti-vaxxer, you may be getting a retrovirus injected into you to fight COVID. And I think that would be the first time you've had that happen. So stay tuned. And that's all for today. 
By the way, if for some reason you want a transcript of all this stuff, I'm saving, saving everything I'm reading. I don't know why anybody would, but if you do want all of it or a part of it, just let me know. And that is all about all about viruses. Tomorrow we'll get back into some history. Talk to you tomorrow.